0: Welcome to another episode at the Fitness Oracle. Today, we sit down with John Rufus from in front of the line. John is a website consulting entrepreneur who focuses on small businesses in Toronto and in the surrounding areas. John is also a very good and close friend of mine um, and my web developer as well. Like He is next level when it comes to customer service, when it comes to web development, when it comes to... Giving me what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Um, I know what you might be thinking. Why are you, why are you bringing on a web developer, and <clears throat> why bring on this guy at all? And my answer to you is quite simple. These guys go through the same stuff that we go through on a daily basis. Uh, we get into uh, we get into his journey with mental health. We get into his journey when it kind comes to the importance of physical health when we talk about family we talk about work and we talk about the importance of sports in people's lives so all these things that just because they're not in the health and wellness space doesn't mean that they're not suffering from from you know what we suffer from as uh you know i have a tendency of bringing on health and wellness specialists and martial artists and and personal trainers so just because they're not part of that circle doesn't mean that they don't they don't struggle with it. And John is a is a successful entrepreneur, and it's very important to bring on these people so that we can get more uh, different perspectives. Anyways, this show, as usual, uh, is filled with tons of stuff, tons of great content, tons of tips. I mean, you only saw a few clips here and there. You may be seeing a few other ones, but this episode will knock your socks off. Make sure you have a pen and paper with you. Grab a cup of joe and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is John Rufus from In Front of the Line. He, John, is a website consulting entrepreneur who focuses on small businesses in Toronto and the surrounding areas. He is also a good and old friend of mine and my web developer. And that intro is not true because now he focuses all across the United States and in Toronto. John, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, John. Thanks for having me on.
1: So how's the the stomping grounds? How's the old stomping grounds?
2: Uh, Things are okay. The life in Toronto is the way it is. Uh, Things are good. Industry is, you know, what it is, plugging away. And uh, trying to always find new ways to kind of get ahead and stay ahead.
1: That's awesome. I'm hearing rumors that uh, the uh, old ways are coming back. The masking, oh. all that stuff. The old way. that's a good way of putting it.
2: Yeah, so a lot of attention is kind of focused to get people masked up again here in Toronto. And for me, it's a little bit unfortunate. Um Uh, I come from the uh, school and we'll dive into it. Right. But it's all about, you know, taking care of yourself mentally, physically. And I just feel that those things aren't stuff that will help more than what you can do for yourself. But yeah, so you're right. It's uh, not a rumor. It's big recommendations right now. And hopefully it doesn't get forced down our throats, but we shall see.
1: Well, that all falls down on the people, too. I mean, from from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are not. Uh, they don't want that to come back. Oh, no, not at
2: all, not at all. But you know what? The problem, John. There's more that want it right now, and they are the vocal ones. They're the ones that are in front of the line, to pardon the pun, with regards to getting the message out there. So guys like me have to do more to get. Our message, my message, and then hope that others follow suit to say, no, enough is enough. But right now, uh, a lot of legacy kind of platforms, media, health, they're kind of leading the way to spearhead governments to kind of cave and force it. But let's hope not. Let's hope not. We shall see how it plays out. You can hope and pray. Yes, yes.
1: Um, I asked these two questions now about all my guests, because I'm curious, and I know a lot of my listeners are curious, what got you first interested in this line of work?
2: So it was the dot-com boom of the late 90s. But you know what? I'll even go one step before that. And um, as an up-and-coming teenager, I was always fascinated with business and um, trying to find ways to carve out a little niche for myself create opportunities for myself, you know, doing things like riding uh, bicycles to deliver ice cream in parks, uh, doing bike courier. And so, and, you know, there's another kind of fitness approach to making money and staying healthy, but it was all about kind of being entrepreneurial. And then the dot-com boom happened in the mid to late nineties. And I wanted to get into that and because i was kind of fascinated not so much by the stories of success success stories you're the people who really took off with that but more because it was something new and i kind of want to stay ahead of things that are new and kind of get involved in new things and yeah went to school got some experience and as they say the rest is history
1: um we'll dive into a lot of talking points that you brought up and i want to because i'm curious about some of the stuff we'll do that a little bit later but for now have there ever been moments uh you and I both know how fun being an entrepreneur really is um have there ever been moments in your journey where you've just said you know what screw this I'm done I'm gonna go somewhere get a job and I don't want to deal with being an entrepreneur anymore uh this morning (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, it, it, it comes with the uh, you know whole process. So, yes, um, there's a lot of times, and I won't lie, to this day, all joking aside, where you wake up and you realize you have a lot on your plate and you realize that you need to do five times more than the amount of hours in a day to kind of get caught up and stay afloat. And you know all the challenges. I don't need to tell you with all that's going on around us in the world right now in the last two years. So being an entrepreneurial meant that you have to be doing that much more and being that much more capable of handling all that's been thrown your way. But yeah, to your answer to your question, definitely many times. And it started from when I first got into it, because when you first start, you get excited with being an entrepreneur. The thrill of it in theory is, you know what, you don't have, to answer to anyone, make your own hours. But then when push comes to shove and you get started and you get into the nitty gritty of it all, that's when reality kicks in. You're like, oh boy, you know, th- this is a lot tougher than you can imagine. And it's only until you get started when you realize, yes, it's real work. And a lot more than doing that nine to five grind. But yeah, there are days when you're like, is it worth it? And um, more times than not, yes because that's the end result that I do come to the conclusion it is it's worth being your own boss and to kind of make a
1: difference in whatever it is you're trying to achieve. It's funny because um, I heard this on another podcast, a friend of mine's podcast, and he was uh, interviewing uh, somebody, I can't remember who, and uh, he, the, the guy goes, he goes, it's funny. He goes, because you actually trade your nine to five job for the five to nine job. Yeah, and sometimes that five to nine can be 5 a.m. to 9 p.m.
2: Right? that's what and, i
1: mean the five to nine
2: yeah yes exactly exactly i hear you so <laughs> or it could be the 5 p.m to 9 a.m whatever <laughs> it is however you want to kind of get, get specific with the uh brackets and the uh, timelines. but yeah it, and, and you know what else it could be sometimes you're trading in a nine to five job for buying a nine to five job a lot of people end up doing that too and we'll get into the details and specific, as you said, but that was something I wanted to avoid. I never wanted to get into buying a job. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll, 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 we'll we'll talk more about how I try to not get into that. But yeah, so anything to do with uh, kind of following that path of nine to five or not wanting to follow that path or trying to differentiate. Yeah,
1: it's 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 a lot. It's something that I, I try to keep in mind. Mental health plays a huge role, huge, huge, massive role when it comes to running your own business, trying to get everything done before the day is done. And you don't even know when the day is going to be done. What are some of the things (laughs) that you do that help you uh, just, I don't want to call it cope, but help you stay focused on the task at hand because it could, it could become so overwhelming.
2: So when I first started out and uh, that was around 2003, I first made the definitive decision to put all nine to five and any job aside to really hunker down in front of the line. Um, I, I was all over the place. And it was because I was just trying to do everything and thinking that was the only way to go about it. And then I started to kind of lean on some mentors or some people that I've had in my life and prior to 2003, where their experience kind of told me focus on some specifics to help deal with the whole kind of multiple hats that you would need to wear as an entrepreneur. And I've applied many of those lessons from now we're talking nearly 20 years to today and coping a a lot of the time, it, it kind of boils down to a couple of things. Number one, it's waking up in the morning and then going to bed at night, knowing what you need to do and what you have done. So waking up first thing, uh, I want to make sure that I have an agenda of what needs to be accomplished for the day. Like there's people who set out goals, uh, short-term, long-term. I even have a more specific goal at hand of the day, how to tackle the day. And then at night, I kind of look back at that list and make sure that it's been achieved. And that list can focus not only on career and that's what we're talking about right now, but it's a lot of other things too. There's a lot of balance that needs to come with it. And that helps mentally. But in terms of career and helping out being that entrepreneur, a lot of it is kind of figuring out and how to approach what it is you need to do and tackling it. And one of the things I found that's helped me is being able to kind of wake up. And the first thing I do is grab a pen and paper, nothing technology-wise. It's literally the old school pen and paper and jotting down what I got to do and what needs to be achieved for that day.
1: And just for full disclosure, for all the people out there listening or watching uh, to this uh, to this episode, it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, solo entrepreneur, or you have a job. This could be just putting one thing on your on your paper. Find a job.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. This kind of approach that I take that was given to me. Were and my mentors and it's funny you mentioned that uh, one of the mentors that i still to this day have in my life is and always has been an employee of a large bank here in canada and the rules that he learned in his line of work he told me can be applied across any domain be it employee employer small business owner any way you want to look at it so to your point you you are exactly correct it can apply along so many different um, foundations to help get through and cope with whatever tasks you have for that given day.
1: How important is the physical aspect of physical health in for for a person uh, in order to achieve those tasks because you and I both know I I'll give you an example. I, the day of this recording, have not left my house because it's been recording after recording after recording after recording after recording. And I yeah. personally know what it is. I just want to get your uh, your perspective on yes.
2: it. Yeah, no, it, you nailed it. Uh, physical uh, stimulation of the body is something that helps me cope as well. Personally speaking, I find that it's important for me to set aside um, time to help with my physical well-being in order to attack all the tasks that need to be dealt with. So in my line of work, I have a set kind of uh, tasks that need to be done daily that, of course, are going to be different from yours and different from another individuals, be it nine to five or entrepreneurial or however um, the tasks need to kind of be laid out. But in the case of physical approach and stimulation of the body to help with those tasks, I find that being uh, aware through physical activity and staying uh, true to making yourself be in the best physical shape would help me and I believe help others kind of approach the day and get those tasks
1: completed. Do you schedule those in inside your calendar, like throughout the day, say like uh, between two and four? All I'm doing is walking or going to the gym.
2: Absolutely, and as I told you when I, when I answered the question previously, it's a balance. So not only do my tasks consist of my work and, and the phone calls that need to be made and the emails that need to be answered, it's the balance that involves the personal side of my life, family, personal, uh, physical attention all that. And all that is part of the task at hand, the tasks at hand that are jotted down on that piece of paper when I first pick up.
1: Speaking of family, um, it's difficult uh, sometimes when you're dealing with family, especially when it comes to um, you and I are both Greek. You and I both know the struggles. It comes with uh you're telling your family hey you know what i'm gonna start opening up my own business
2: yeah even though our parents have done it it's just still doesn't matter a lot of them are like well doesn't matter what i've done the kind of standard is go out there get a job and Mm -hmm. then you know have the steady income and paycheck and take care of all your responsibility yes so yeah that's uh support system is very important. So you have to kind of approach it. And these are two things that I noticed for me work well. Number one is being fully transparent and letting my wife, in this case, kind of know what my intentions are and have been and what my goals are towards achieving them. And then number two is kind of showing how important it is and really putting the effort to make them realize that yes you are devoted and that's something that uh, I feel for family is something that I can only control what happens with my wife and how she sees what I do then I feel the results will come from her side how she accepts the decisions I've made for a career.
1: I can't speak to a wife because I don't have one. It's, it's a different conversation with other family members, parents, siblings. It's a very different conversation. Um, I have a tendency of just not telling anybody what I'm doing. Just limits the amount of tension that will could potentially bring. Is there another way of, uh, of, uh, communicating that kind of uh having a different conversation maybe
2: yeah that's a good question um so to your point how you deal with it in your way it's to if i may just kind of see that you tend to kind of avoid dealing with confrontation or avoid dealing with have to kind of let loose and be fully transparent And in the short term, that could be something that is positive because you're avoiding anything and everything that comes with having to kind of come clean and explaining all that and then dealing with all the headache and aggravation that a parent, sibling, or in the case of me, a wife um, comes with. Uh, But sometimes kind of looking at that and realizing that if if you're avoiding And the opposite to that is kind of being transparent kind of trusting the individual or individuals that you will be sharing your story with. Sometimes thinking that, you know what, maybe I thought initially that they won't accept what I want to do. So to avoid any potential headache, I'm just not going to bother. Sometimes trusting that parent or trusting that sibling and sharing with them the story that you want to tell can lead you down a path that is something that you may have assumed was incorrect where you wanted to avoid it all along whereas telling them and trusting them could lead to something positive because then it can be a support system that you can lean on eventually you could go back to that parent or sibling or wife and say you know here i am here's my situation this is what i want to do and then they could bring value to that discussion where you assumed that maybe it was best to avoid because you didn't want the competition
1: How important is failure? That's a good question.
2: Uh, I believe the only way to truly learn is to fail. And I won't put it as failing. I'll spin it in a positive way and say that failing is not achieving something that you strived for, but along the way you learned how to be better the next time. And I feel that's the best way and true way that we as human beings learn because if we don't fail and we don't understand what is involved to do with that next time, there will never be, um, reason to want to continue so i feel failure put in a positive way mind you is something that's incredibly important
1: for the growth of us all now the reason why i asked that is because you out of every ever out of anybody that i've ever interviewed know me best okay you and i go back way back yes you know my business how it's gone yes it's gone up it's gone down. It's gone back up. It's come back down. And every time I've had conversations with family members, with friends, with even some coworkers in the past, they always put that negative connotation to failure. Yeah. And every time I come back and you've seen it, you've seen it. Every time I come back, I come back stronger. mm mm-hmm. Yes. What would you say to somebody who was inside in in like my shoes, and you know they're at the point where it's like I've had enough yes. of this, and I I don't want to have those negative conversations with my family members, especially my family members. I don't want them to see me as a failure. What would you say to somebody like that?
2: Well, I'd say it's twofold. So number one, I would try to be. You know, make it positive, but also be realistic. So the positive is trying to show that from my perspective, the failure has to come with the lesson. So anything that wasn't successful, I encourage to look back and say, What did you learn from that? You know, if it didn't go the way you wanted, well, what was learned from that? And then get into the specifics. What caused you to fail? be it that specific exercise or in the long journey of your entrepreneurial um, goals to be successful in the business. And then I'd be realistic and sit down and say, how much effort and how much willingness are you? So how much effort have you put to this point and how much willingness are you to continue this journey, this exercise or whatever it is that uh, is causing you failure? And then be true to yourself and say, is it something that you would worth continuing to fight for? So, yes, and it's unfortunate. And I'm not going to judge those who put such a negative connotation on failure because we've been conditioned and groomed as children that once you fail in school, you fail, you know, not getting on the sports team, the soccer team, not you, you're not successful. And what I learned growing up over the years to where I am today is that if we try to take that as a positive in the light that you learn from it, so next time you're better, and if you are willing to want to continue to try this out, you will be a better version of that next time if you continue to learn from those lessons. So yeah, it's a, it's a combination of you know trying to put a positive spin on it, but also being realistic in that failure.
1: How is that any different from uh, back in the 90s? I, I know you remember back in the 90s where everybody was a winner. Everybody was a winner in sports. Well, we're going to transition into sports. That's why I'm asking this question. Everybody was a winner. And now, now we've come to the position where everybody thinks they're a winner, but they don't understand what it means to lose.
2: So I'll kind of take it a one step back. So back in, if I can go back one step further into the 80s to kind of um, relive my young adolescent days and years, I recall those times being times when you as an individual, uh, either individually or part of of the team, would uh, understand there was winning and losing. And then somehow our society transitions to your point about everybody winning, getting that participation trophy. And now it's created this false sense of if we don't achieve that, even in coming second, third or lower, and that participation trophy is not achieved or given, then yes, you have that, kind of situation where entitlement um, is, I guess, unwilling or capable of handling the uh, fact that you did come second and lower. And that just kind of trickles down into everything else that as an adult you do. And that can be very poisonous and have a really negative effect on
1: the individual kind of veering off just a little bit i want to stick with the sports but you kind of just brought up another uh talking point when you said that um we've kind of left the whole participation medal kind of thing and uh it 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 just feels like now that social media has taken up that 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 banner of Look how successful I am and that you can do it too kind of mentality, but nobody really talks about, you know, how hard it is, what you have to do to get there. Do you think that social media is amplifying that kind of mentality now?
2: Yes. So social media, among many things that are kind of negatively impacting um, people's lives, yes, there is that quick snapshot of an individual or individuals who have achieved something and you have the platform as that individual or individuals to share with the rest of your community how well you are doing. And then in the process of doing that, you have someone on the other end who's taken that and seen what they don't have and how that can impact them. And it also can kind of create this false sense of, well, if they did it, so can I, but not understanding what it took for that individual or individuals to achieve what they had. So, and then that can kind of veer off into like a two or three fold approach into discussion where you have the one individual who's showing the world or at least their community, what they have. And, uh, Wondering if that's necessary. Granted, that's social media for you, but it, it, it's part of the uh, kind of beast when then you have the recipient, the one who's seeing the success of photos and videos, and then not understanding the struggle, and then feeling inferior to the fact that they don't have what this individual or individuals achieved and now are showing to the world. So it plays a role, it plays a role that can be quite detrimental. Because there's so many kind of falsehoods with that, that you can't kind of put your finger on, right? But yeah, it, it, it's something that isn't discussed enough.
1: Yeah, that most definitely. Um, how do you manage social media? Because you and I both know this can be a black hole for most of your most of your most of your time, which you you and I cannot afford to have a black hole in our time.
2: Correct correct yeah it, 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 yeah to your point about the black hole it's it, it's a hole that you can kind of get into and just fall down and then yeah you're, you're just caught up in so much so I by nature I'm not one to kind of really share too much I, I, I kind of keep it to myself but I do use social media as positive I, as I feel I can and that is for my business I feel that there is some good to social media Right, So some of the good and positive is getting your message out there, promoting uh, in a more organic and natural sense, letting individuals in your community know what you're all about, that they can take and use to kind of uh, be that uh, opportunity for, uh, how can I put it, a networking opportunity, I could share a story of my business on a social media platform. And then when someone in my community takes it and then they can share that to somebody else that could use my service. So that's how I tend to kind of use social media. I use it as best as I can for positive and not try to get, go down that black or rabbit hole, as you said, because yeah, time is of the essence and then it can be just so detrimental.
1: You use it more as a, as a, as an entrepreneur. There's a lot of people that don't understand the difference between using social media as a business and using it for personal use. Yes. I'm having, I'll be, I'll be full blown transparent with you and my entire audience and your entire audience. I'm having the trouble transitioning from consumer to business owner on social Mm. media. How did you do manage that?
2: So, well, I, I I took uh, some time in, try to understand how some of the professionals have done it. I've attended some seminars, gone to conferences when there was in-person conferences, unfortunately, everything now feared towards online. So there was a time when you know I would make a point to attend conferences and uh, get to learn. But to your question, um, some of the good ways that social media can be used or utilized for business is the whole lifestyle approach. Um, a kind of subtle message within the message, something that a lot of corporations are using now, using influencers, using um, the platform of social media to subtly introduce a product, a service that can create engagements. And then that can in turn spin off ways that you're as a consumer still feeling the um, way of utilizing social media personally as a consumer, but at the same time, the business understands that psychologically that subtle lifestyle message can help their brand and the consumer kind of engage with one another in the messaging.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, we veered a little bit too far off. I wanted to go towards the sports. we wolf- we'll we'll go back yeah to the let's sports go right World now. cups World Cup is
2: starting in a few days so it to be really exciting but uh,
1: yeah that's that's something that I want to talk about um we have these major competitions every so often uh once a year once every four years once every two years and it has a tendency of consuming people yes you know what I mean and it's um it be, it becomes almost tribal now I kind of envy that that the ability to create that tribe mentality um how important do you find sports in your life to bring sort of uh, like a normalized balance into your chaotic work life
2: yes yes you, you touched upon some very good points huge um because if i were to allow myself to be consumed by work it would be Twenty four seven. So I try to find balance, and one of the things that I do is really uh, make a point to enjoy some sports, and recreation, not only for physical activity to get out, which I find very important, but also to kick back and watch professional sports on television and online. And I feel that's very important. It uh, first offers the balance; it takes away from always being focused on work and then it allows you to kind of pay some attention to something else for that little bit of time and it kind of brings some awareness into your life too you know that balance can help because if you veer down just one path and only focus on that you know prioritize work then I don't feel you're as well-rounded as an individual so sports, you know, focusing and giving some time and devoting some time to a professional sports league, be it hockey, be it baseball, be it soccer, I feel is important and it has been important to me because that gives me something to look forward to and to educate and learn about and uh, helps me kind of balance myself.
1: And it also, like, like I said before, like it also brings in that tribe mentality that uh, it when you can go out with a whole bunch of different friends that you haven't seen in a while and you have a common thing, common topic to talk about other than your business.
2: Yes. Yes, no, that's good. And you know what? And I, I see that as a positive. Um, the world we live now, you can get consumed by work and family and running around and doing so much that having something that you can lean on that will bring you together with your friends to kind of get outside of whatever it is you're consumed with majority of your life, work, family, having something that you can escape all that and bring you together with your friends or that community. I think is a good thing. I I don't see it as a bad thing at all. I see it as only positive, And it helps part of that balance that we keep talking about, and we've mentioned a few times, that um, it it can only be good and not bad.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I agree with that because that's how I used to use sports, uh, watching the Leafs win, do amazing during the regular season, and then get disappointed in the playoffs. It's just a normal Leaf mentality and all leaf fans know about it
2: and not only all fans, generations too it's like you know you can talk to some 70 year old in the street and you can talk to a 20 year old and that's the common thing with the leaf it's like ah that's all right who cares let's wait until the playoffs and then we'll see then come talk to me until then
1: exactly you can have austin matthews win all the all the records in the dirt during the regular season let's see what he does in the playoffs exactly exactly um where I want to go with this is that I I personally know new people in my in my previous life where it was Leafs. If the Leafs win, they are having a great day. If they lose, you don't want to be around them for three days. What would you say to somebody who has that mentality that 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 you know what? Um, my sports team has is is my religion kind of thing
2: you know that's a good question because I admire someone with that much passion first of all I, I I see that and you know what I can take a step back if I was not a sports fan and I know many who are not sports fans that are in my life and um, judge others who are big sports fanatics and allow the sport and result of a game to consume them and they become judgmental. And I personally want to kind of understand where they're coming from. So I don't get how it can be that consuming, but at the same time, I can understand that that individual may latch onto something because that gives them a belief or something that they can look forward to where other thing in their life may not be going so well. So in the case of Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, you may have an individual who is a big Leaf fan, follows the team night and day, uh, wakes up in the morning, reads the box scores from the night before, knows all the player statistics, sees all the movement of potential trades, and gets ready for the game. And they have something to look forward to on a Saturday night, with hockey night in Canada, for example. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Where I see it as a problem is if that becomes detrimental to how they interact with the things in their life that are important. If that consumes them to the point where they don't take care of their responsibilities. And there are some unwritten responsibilities that we as humans have to kind of account for and um, it's different for certain people but there are some underlying things that we all should kind of have to the core but to without saying too much and running on too much I feel that that passion is something that's a good thing I, I really believe that being that passionate about something is not bad it's just a matter of kind of understanding that individual and seeing why he or she is a big fan and being fanatical because, you know, fan is a short version of fanatic. Mm-hmm. So that can be something that an outsider who isn't a a, a, a person of a sports team not understand.
1: I want to be clear because this used to be me with, uh, with the Leafs. And with Toronto FC, which was the most the most recent one, I was a huge fan. I used to act like a moron at the at the at BMO Field, and um, looking back at it, and I was thinking to, and I've been thinking about this, especially during COVID, when I had time to sit back and think about it. And you're right. If you can, if you can take that kind of passion for for something, what if you can take that passion? And instead of investing it into something that you can't control, like the outcome of a sporting event to something that you can control, like your family, like a business, like your work. Do you think that's something that somebody should be looking at other than putting it into a team where they have no control over it? Because that, that, it's fascinating with me for myself seeing it.
2: Yeah. No, no, definitely. You, you hit on some really good points. So the things we can't control. Yes. Um, if we let something that we can't control consume us, then we go down a path where the things that we can't control that are important, if neglected as a result of being so caught up in the things we can't control that can really catch up with you as an individual. But having said that, as long, and this is something that I uh, emphasized in my reply just before, if there's a way that you can ensure that your priorities are taken care of, but you kind of let loose with regards to TFC or the Toronto beliefs, to give a couple of uh, team examples, I think that that is something that it's okay. Now, how do you take a John Katsavis who's a big TFC fan and kind of prioritize TFC, something that he couldn't control the outcomes of, and get him to use you as an example, and get that passion or kind of um, interest or engagement into the things that he can't control? That's something that if using talking to you now as a third person, John, even though know, we are talking together. If I could get John to understand that's something that may be beneficial to John. Because sometimes having John just be told, why are you emphasizing so much on TFC where you're not assisting John to see the way to take that passion and apply it to something that he can control, then who are we to judge him if we can assist him down that path you understand it's very easy for us to judge john who's so consumed by something he can't control using the TFC example but we don't want to take the time if we see that he's crazy and wrong about his priorities or things he can't control what can we do to steer him to get that passion to be applied to something he can't control and that's what Yeah, and that's something that I see as important.
1: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And do you have any specific tools where you can help people to um, guide them into something that they can control?
2: Yeah, so that's a good one. So it comes down to some very simple and basic fundamentals. One of them being encouraging dialogue. You know, um, being able to see the individual that you're with for who they are appreciating what they kind of value so again to use you and the TFC example if we were together in a social setting talking about life and we're at a bar watching the TFC game and I see that um, work may not be so good for you family may not be so good for me and you're so consumed by TFC and then TFC loses and you go and take that out and you shit on everybody around you as a result. Some of the things which are so practical and it's not, you know, rocket science, it's just a matter of kind of engaging in dialogue and kind of telling that individual, and in your cases, understanding what value TFC brings to your life, that family or job or whatever it is you want to shit on doesn't. And from there, that understanding or empathy for you can then be kind of taken and spun in a way to say, you know, I'm not going to tell you how I do things and I see them as value. So I'm not going to say that works important to me if it's not for you, but you may be in a situation that you're not valuing those things in your life that are priority the way TFC is valued. So let's get on that right path. It's about Communicating, being uh, coherent—it's about communicating and helping to make the individual aware of what they can understand.
1: Um, a couple of months ago, I had uh, Benjamin Mole from the UK, and we were talking about this mentality of uh, fanatics and uh, and uh, what are they called in the, in in the UK—the groups of fans. Oh, not the hooligans, ah, uh, just like uh, yeah, part of the hooligan idea yeah. is uh, is the community that gets built up through these um, these groups of people that support a specific club. It could be Manchester United, it could be TFC, it could be Miami FC, it could be anybody. Do you think? It, and I asked him this question. I want to. I want to ask you the same question. Uh, do you think it's important for those communities to step in when they feel that things are getting out of control with a person?
2: That's that, that's very interesting. Um, so I guess what you're saying is you feel they may have a responsibility to somebody within their community, that with, particular community
1: within their community. If they see somebody where the where the where the club culture. Is getting out of control with this person for them to kind of step in and do an intervention with this person to uh, help them?
2: Yes, it, it, it's a great point. It's a great question. Um, I, I guess I look at it the way I've looked at everything else and some of the points we talked about previously. It'd be unfair to pin. The rest of the community and say that you have to help that individual if it's consuming him too much because I don't think that the others in that community should feel they are responsible to help one of their brothers out quote unquote in this case however I feel that as a community I think that would be an ideal way to help and I think that if there is someone in the community that, to your point, say you were in that community and you see someone going off the rails and you feel that there is a need for intervention, I think that it would be a beautiful opportunity to assist that individual because not only would that individual who's going off the rails kind of want to give his attention to the group because they are all kind of bonded with this one thing, the club, uh, I, I think that would be great, but See, It's kind of double-edged. You don't want to have to judge the community to have to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that they should have to do it, but at the same time, I think that that's a great idea if an individual is going off the rails. So I guess the way to answer that is if there's a group of 10 uh, fanatics of a club in Manchester and they see one of the 10 are off the rails to the point where Their life is just insane. They don't follow up with work, family, and everything is going downhill and they're just too consumed by the team. I don't feel the other nine have to step in and intervene. However, if one or two or three of the nine see that as something that they want to do, I'm all for them, the three that is, wanting to help and bring the other nine together to help that individual. So That's kind of a double-edged... I it, answered
1: so it is but it's it's where i was trying to go with it because it's it's quite interesting because a lot of workplaces are kind of doing that kind of intervention with their employees and it's kind of important for the workplace to do it but not okay for the club uh, f- club fan clubs to do it it's that's a it's, great point
2: great point yep and, and you know that's and we've as a society accepted so much of you know work being the priority and everything else that comes with it you know what that's the most important thing and it's okay for the work community to intervene but once the social community wants to do it uh, it's like what's the point or to that so yeah what you mentioned is great because That's perspective in society that I look at and don't want to kind of engage with. I don't want to put a certain precedent on work being more valuable than the club community if the club is something that that individual is really passionate about. And that's something that I alluded to before with the fanatic being consumed by the sport or the team. You know, I'm all for that and I want to welcome that. And I'm not going to judge him or her because they're a fan of the team and I may not understand. And that all of a sudden, because it's work, they have the right to intervene and judge or do whatever, because in society we've been deemed that that's important. So you make a great point. And it's not that one should be. It's either we should all allow for that intervention to be you know, happening on a regular basis, regardless of the platform. And where the community kind of came
1: together, because there's multiple things that we can talk about w- w- with with everything that you just said. Um, one of them being um, using work using work as as a comparison to the social uh, the social football club, let's say, as a, as an escape from reality for the individual. And personally, I would feel that it would be the employers. Best interest. Now, okay, one is I'm paying you to do a job. I need your brain here. Where the other one is you're social and you're having fun or you're supposed to be having fun. Your brain doesn't have to be here because it's not getting paid to be here. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I was an employer, I would care whether or not my employee would have a good balance and not being consumed and using work as an excuse to get away from whatever's going on at home whatever's going on in his life or her life but
2: the question i pose back to you if i may where does the employer draw the line is the intervention to be more productive at work based off of the fact that the employer pays the employee to be there and to generate results or is the intervention for the employer to help this individual be a well off, balanced individual overall? That's something that I may kind of want to look at. And then from that angle, decide what would be the best approach for the employer.
1: If you're asking me, you're asking me that question.
2: Well, I'm asking to kind of clarify because you were talking about you feel the employer because they're investing in the employee how do you kind of view that angle is it the employer simply intervening to make sure the employee is there to do a job and to be the best at it or they have a responsibility to make that individual better overall that, that, that's where I wanted to so
1: to be to be flat out honest I think f- think in order for the for the employer to have the best outcome for the employee, the em- the employer needs to uh, make sure that the employee has a good, solid foundation to work off of to give their 100% back to the employer. Absolutely. That means that means if something's going on at home, and it's bothering that employee. That employer needs to know so that employer can actually do something about it or help them, give them the tools that they need so that they can perform better at work.
2: I agree 100%. And that's where I was going with my question in response to you. If the employer was there simply to make sure the employee was producing and didn't care about what's affecting him or her to not. Produce to the level that is expected or hope of that employee. And they're there simply to churn out somebody and say, okay, if this individual isn't cutting it, who cares what issues he's having at home or if she, whatever she's having at home, let's replace with the next. But to your point, yes, I, I am all on board with what you're saying. I feel the employer or company or whoever has a huge responsibility in the individual's role Because that all plays a role. Everything that goes into their life factors in on how they will perform at work. Mm -hmm. So I I am with you 100%. I I feel that the employer has an obligation, And I feel that it's in the best interest of the employer to want to put the employee in the best light to come to work and be willing to
1: perform at their highest level. Uh, that's great. Um, Yeah, because I- I'm full on board with that. <clears throat> I have a very small team, very, very small, but I want to make sure my small team, you're part of it. I want to make sure that you have all the tools that you need to do what you need to do. Yes. And that you're okay with everything Uh, to the best of whatever I can do for you, you know? Yes. And um, I, I don't like it when I... Anyways, we're going off topic with
2: no, we're not. I I hear what you're saying, but I I will say this, and I don't know how you feel about uh, what I'm about to say, but I I feel that as a society, we are more aware, and I think employers are trying to engage and trying to do a better job. I really believe that that's something in 2022 that we've kind of reached a point that is much better than, say, our parents' generation. I, I think. Employers, corporations are in a better place now and understand and are willing to want to help out as much knowing that an employee is valuable and programs are now in place to help stimulate whatever balance is lacking or whatever is needed to help them succeed at what they do job-wise and life-wise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We are coming close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. I just want your perspective on these seven or eight topics. Yeah, let's do it. With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the constant uncertainty that we've been living through over the last two to three years, what would be the one thing that you can tell them to keep their hopes up?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I would say that everyone is in this together we all endured and we all should reach out to someone that they value and not be afraid to open up and let them know how you're feeling and if it's a tough day a tough time be transparent and open and not be ashamed to want to let that individual individuals know What you're going through because to my point earlier that person on the other end may be able to add something of value to help your spirit increase so be willing to share your stories and know that you're not alone and want to open up to someone in hopes that that person will
1: give you something positive excellent excellent What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? The one thing that
2: I try to do, it's not something that because sometimes you can get so consumed. Every day can be different, especially for an entrepreneur, that you know you can get caught up in certain times that you know curveballs are thrown the second that you get started. But the one thing I try to do that keeps me focused is the um, I know it's cliche but it's just the end result it's the finish line I have certain levels of goals that I try to attain I told you about the lists in the beginning of the day and I review them at the end of the day but I also have other levels of goals the more common goals that people set out and I think the one thing that I try to do to keep me focused is understand that I'm just part of something bigger. And I, I want to do my part and carve out whatever it is to help make things just better around. me.
1: Very cool. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? I
2: would, uh, tell my 20-year-old self to do a few things. Number one, go and see as much of the world as possible. Have as much fun with the opposite sex as possible. And uh, try as many different things as you can to understand what gets you to be most triggered with what it is you want to do.
1: Looking back, would you change anything?
2: Yes, I would. I, I'm not going to sit there and say that, oh, everything is peaches and cream. No, there, there, there's certain things that I I wish I did a little differently. Um, but where i am now looking back i i I feel very blessed and thankful for a lot of stuff the things that i would have done differently are the things that i would have told my 20 year old self because there's a few things that i didn't do enough of that looking back now i wish i had done and a lot of it is exploring the world around us
1: Mm -hmm. what scares you
2: Well, the one thing that scares me is thinking that I may let the almighty being, the Lord, down with some of the decisions I make. Because there could be a time where I may decide to do something and God may judge that as selfish. And I don't want that to... Affects what I have been blessed. That'd be the one thing that I think would scare me above anything else. Because everything else, the people we deal with, I feel are all on the same level. And I feel the Lord is the one above us all that ultimately judges us.
1: Very good. Very, very well said. Um, where do you see in front of the line in the next five years? So in front of the line, the next
2: five years, ideally, I would like to get it to a place where, residually, I'm able to add a lot of value. Attending one seminar a few years ago, I was taught that value can be judged many different ways. You know, how much worth your company is if you choose to sell, how much of a hierarchy your company has in terms of, you know, upper management to lower management to employees, And a third kind of vertical is how residual the company can be sustained when you step away. And that's the goal that I want to achieve. Uh, I see the value on a monetization kind of scale if I were to put it up for sale. I see the value in having employees. But what I would like and what interested me in terms of that exercise when I attended that seminar is how you are able to sustain a business and have it kind of residual and generate income when you're not there. And that's something that I would would like to increase the residual impact where I'm able to be away from the business, but it still generates a certain income every month where I don't have to lift a finger. And there's a lot that goes into that in terms of specifics, but that in a nutshell is where I would like to see it in much more valuable residual based operation.
1: Very good. Very good. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years?
2: The next five years, I want to continue to be in my sunlight, grow closer with my wife, grow closer with uh, the goals I set up for myself and be a lot closer with God to make sure that I am doing the duty I've been put on this earth to do and not disappoint him. Again, this all sounds cliche, but I really feel that I'm in a good place and I've been blessed with all that I've been able to achieve. And I know I haven't done it alone. you know, from good support system growing up with parents to good support system with family, friends, and above all, the most important thing is the Lord is guiding me every step of the way. And, uh, yeah, I just want to continue to get closer to those things I value. And, um, yeah, that's what I'll keep striving for.
1: Very cool. Where can people find more about you?
2: So you can find me online by going to www.infrontoftheline.com. Uh, it's spelled exactly as it sounds in front of the com. You can find me on social media, um, various platforms through the business platforms of the social media angles and app in front of the line. Personally, you can find it through John Rufus. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, good things are going with in front of the line. And uh, we're just going to keep striving to be better in the web game industry to bring value to those that um, are
1: along with me for the journey. Awesome. Awesome. And I will be posting all your links in the show notes. So everybody has easy access to your services and I can vouch personally about you and your services and your team. It's uh next level, next level. Awesome. Absolutely. Amazing. I appreciate that. Man. I appreciate that. Thanks very
2: much. And yeah, it's great to have this discussion and um, yeah, a lot of good things and you did a great job. A lot of ways of steering down to kind of, stimulate the mind and uh, come up with approaches that you normally don't discuss, but yeah, great job. Um, I was really impressed with you today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I try and do my best. Uh, any final thoughts for the audience out there?
2: Well, um, yeah, the few things that uh, I could add is just, again, never hesitate to be transparent with those in your life that you may want to kind of steer away from for fear of confrontation because they may bring something of value that you may least expect and if you trust them then there's a lot more you can get out of anything you do in life so i believe just know that you were put in a certain spot and people are around you for a reason. So utilize those individuals because they may bring something to you that can help you be a better person in all aspects of life.
1: Well, John, um first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Um, i really I really do appreciate you know you coming on and just sharing your perspective and uh, really getting vulnerable with people because it's really important to, to see that Um, on a personal level, I want to thank you for being a good friend to me and uh, always being there, guiding me, supporting me, um, telling me, John, this is a terrible idea for the website. John, this is a great idea for the website. So I, I, your insight to where I was and where I am was is, was and still is greatly appreciated it's like gold your 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 input and your info for me so thank you for being that crooks in my business and in my life
2: awesome so so thanks for having me today it was a pleasure lots of fun i didn't know what to expect and it, it was great and i hope we can do it again and uh for the kind words man that means a lot um i just want to to help out somebody like you that we got close with in Toronto and we're still keeping the connection going, uh, country away. And, um, yeah, it is a pleasure today and a pleasure. And I hope that you and I can continue doing this for the next 15, 20 years and even longer, depending on how well and healthy and blessed we both are. So I appreciate all that today and appreciate you.
1: 100%, 100%. You're not going anywhere, so don't worry. Thanks, man, <laughs> and yeah. neither am I. Awesome, awesome.
2: <laughs> and that's what, yeah. And that's the most important thing. If we can believe that, then we've already defeated all the other, you know, things in our lives that we can, you know, let it get, get us down. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey, everybody. John Katabo's from Resilient Reboot Productions. Uh, I want you guys to be able to access all the content that we're putting out with Resilient Reboot Productions, and we're moving it to a very special location. So I don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to become a, uh, become part of the vibrant and supportive Resilient Reboot Productions community. Join us today and connect with like-minded individuals who are passionate about personal development, mindset, resilience, and growth by becoming a member You'll gain access to a wealth of valuable resources, including exclusive content, live events, and discussion forums where you can share your thoughts and insights on the latest podcast episodes. Take action now and join our community to start your journey towards a more fulfilling and resilient life.